Welcome into episode 20 of the Godly Young Men Podcast. We very much appreciate you joining us for our 20th episode. Um, before we get going on what is part three, I guess, of a kind of a series arc that we've done, wanted to shout out a comment that we got from uh, Jennifer Nava. Yeah. And apologies if I'm not pronouncing that last name correctly. Um, left us a comment on Facebook, actually, uh, just something that was really cool that was just really encouraging. You know, sometimes when we do this stuff, you know, we, of course, are be- we believe in it. We're really passionate about it. We think it's great. Um, but sometimes you get just kind of that feeling of, man, does this really matter? Anywhere, like, is, yeah. is it going anywhere? Are people actually caring about it? Um, and not that that's what we do it for, but you know, if we if we do this and put the time in it, we want to, we would hope that it's that it's beneficial, that it's yeah. useful for people. Well, shout out to Jennifer. She left a comment, basically talking about how, and I don't want to misquote it. Probably should have looked at it before, but I looked at it earlier in the week where she was talking about her husband um, had kind of started a group uh, among her in her congregation with other guys, dads and sons that were really just pushing each other to be better. And it was kind of inspired by this podcast where they were talking about some of the stuff we've talked about and really just pushing each other to be better. And man, that, that was so awesome to read yeah. because that's exactly yeah. what we, when we, when Joe first came to me with the idea for this podcast, that's exactly what we were hoping would happen was that guys, men would get together and encourage each other to yeah. strive for greatness, that we wouldn't all be doing our own thing and, uh, you know, just living our own Christian life, but that guys specifically could motivate each other and push each other to be better. And so that was really cool to read. So shout out to Jennifer for yeah. that. That is thank you, thank you for seriously. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's something we hope every congregation does. Right. Yeah. Well, because it's so you know, again, this is that's why we do it. We think it's important. Um, but just to hear somebody take it and to do something way beyond us. I mean, they were yeah having each other over the Bible studies and and then sharing times of of the fellowship, but going to the gym together or mm-hmm. playing sports together or whatever it is, just getting that extra exercise in i mean it's great to have that camaraderie with with guys um so we are on the last episode of kind of a three series or three episode series arc that we've done about family about you know what godly young men can expect from family life because obviously a lot of our listeners are probably not at the family life yet of leading your own family but you will be soon and so we we felt it important to to talk about all these so episode one technically what was episode 18 that we started this on um was just in a general sense about preparing to lead your family. What yep. does that look like? And then last episode, episode 19, we got real specific about being a husband. What does mm-hmm. God expect of husbands? What does being a godly husband look like? And we went into all that. I encourage you, if you haven't watched or listened, go go do that for episode 19 about being a godly husband. For this episode, we want to we want to kind of switch gears from husbands and talk about fathers. Yeah. What does being a godly father look like? Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you, Joe, about the role of a father. Because once again, we, we preface this every time. You may not be a father yet. Right. You may be younger or you may be older and, and single and not married. It is so important to be thinking about these things now because of, of how culture is influencing your mind to think okay. about being a father. So, Joe, get us into kind of the role of a father. Yeah, yeah. And we want to say, first off, we're young. Yes, we're fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest is four and a half. So no, we haven't exactly been doing this for a long time. This is what we've observed. This is what we've thought about, you know, from our own fathers. Um, some of the things we loved, we we didn't like as much. Some things we've observed as to what we think will make us a good father. Both yeah. of us, I think, are fairly well read. I do family therapy, so I mean, it is coming from a place of like, we we try to stay up on these things yeah. of where this is coming from. But one of the best books I read uh, was called Parenting from Paul David Tripp. And it really got into the role of the father. Mm-hmm. What What is the role and the role of the parent in general? And the role really is, as he laid out, is to be a good steward of the gifts that God has given you, which is your children, right? Yeah. And to give them, to return them back to him. And to me, it's such a simple concept, but it was also like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it's that's all it is, is God has sent these kids down to you as, as blessings in the form of children. 
Your goal is just to get them right You're back up. Taking to him. care of them until you return. That's right. Them, yeah. You're just to be a steward of it. You are a a representative or a delegate or whatever you want to say um, of somebody that that is intended to represent God and kind of like you see a um, what's the term I'm looking for like a dignitary or somebody that is that ambassador really yeah. is what it is right like you send the ambassador to China. You're the American ambassador. What does that mean? What you say stands for America. Like yeah. you're that's that's what you're all you're about. You're representing them. You're yeah. representing something much bigger than you. Here we are. Yeah. Representing something much bigger than us. We're we're representing God and we know from the earliest age a kid is looking to the father specifically as a God figure. Yeah. They don't have any concept of of God. We know God is a father. But so many people have a poor understanding of God because they had a poor relationship with their father. So we see what's on the line. Yeah. And a kid's entire spirituality really is on the line here in terms of how we are as a father. Well, you think about the responsibility because what you're talking about is a heavy responsibility for for dads, for fathers to think about, I'm modeling God's love for them. I, I am their, especially when they're young, I am what they view what, how they consider God is largely going to be based on how they view me, like, yeah. kind of like what you're saying. And so let's go ahead and address this question, that, you know, especially prevalent in today's culture, the idea of, well, why would I even want kids, right? right. If they're this big burden, if they're, this, if they're that big of a responsibility, why would that even be something that I, that I want to chase? Because the other thing, it's not just the responsibility and burden thing. Kids are seen as what these days? An inconvenience. Um, inconvenience on fun. Inconvenience on sexual promiscuity, yeah. inconvenience on chasing your dreams. You know, kids are just kind of the thing that gets pushed to the side. Take you away from the Instagram lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. You can't just go out and travel and live yeah. your life. And so, man, we really want to push back on that cultural yeah. idea. But I, Joe, I don't know if maybe you want to uh, tease you off on two questions here now, but the idea of why would we even want kids? Because it, we firmly believe the Bible teaches that we should want and desire kids. Well, first and foremost, and then I'm going to hand it back to you actually, but first and foremost, God wants us to. Yeah. Um, I, I think that just has to be said right out in front, and you say, well, where does it say God wants us to? First, I'd be fruitful and multiply. Whoa, 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 First Joe. chapter of the Bible. Yeah, Joe, yeah. that's that's them. That's Adam and Eve. It's different time, whatever it is. Now it's a spiritual, be fruitful and multiply with the Great Commission. Give me a break. Garbage, <laughs> garbage. My brother actually made a good point about this. Um, never before in the history of the world has anybody asked the question, do you want kids? Yeah. Sex results in kids. Until we have created... It hasn't been an option until now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until we create a birth control, and you can go back into, well, actually, the ancients had... Whatever. No, we're the ones that have really perfected birth control. This wasn't a question. If you're going to have sex, you're going to you're going to have kids. And most I, people are not going to pass up on the sex. Part. Most people aren't. Yeah. Right. Most people aren't. So first and foremost, I think God wants us to, and it's kind of just a given that if you're going to do something, it's the that, way He designed us. Yeah, He's the way He designed us. But what would you say? The other thing is, and I'll tie these two together, and maybe let you get to the last one. Kids, and speaking from experience here, as a 23 year old who has an 18 month old, so this has been very recent in my life. Kids really cause you to grow up. Kids cause you to mature. (laughs) Kids cause you to think of someone other than yourself. And that's kind of the, so again, that's kind of two separate ones, but kids really make you focus and realize that the world doesn't revolve around you. And you think about, well, doesn't your wife do that? It's like, yes, in a way, because you're having, we talked about that last episode, you're having to consider yourself as part of a whole. It's not just you by yourself. So yes, in a way, but also you're not really having to provide for your wife's, you know, make sure she stays alive, right? I mean, she can take care of that herself with a with a child. You're having to make sure that thing stays alive. Oh yeah. You're having to make sure that that baby is nourished and fed and man, does it yep. does is it sometimes an inconvenient like are you are you always getting to do the things that you want to do? No, you are not. <laughs> and so in that way, it's causing you to okay. grow up even more than getting married because even oh, yeah. getting married, you're still going to be doing things you want to do. Your time's going to be you're going to have a lot more free time, not when you have kids. In and a good relationship, 
she's your best friend. And yeah. so, yeah, of course, like you're still traveling the world. You're still living the Instagram lifestyle and you get to do it with your best friend. How cool. We talked yeah. about that last time. Kids we put a, can put a stop to that. Kids yeah. are like, yeah, time out. Hey, you need to raise me for at least 18 years, right? right. Until you send them out. And man, that can be such a burden if we allow it. If we're thinking from a selfish point of view, and that's really where the question, why would I even want kids? You know, they would just put a wrench in the things I want to do. And think well, about how selfish of a question right, that is. The things yeah. I want to do. Yeah. You're not thinking about it. And the last thing that we had put in the outline is it's about extending your family's bloodline. Like we can look at that as an insignificant. Why does that matter? That it matters. Does. Yeah. And that's mattered for the entirety of the history of humanity. Everybody has, has wanted to move the bloodline along. Like, I want there to be more Wilkies in the future. I want them to be better men than me. I want them to be greater than me in so many yeah. ways. And so, I mean, I have to have kids to have that happen. And so when you can extend your your bloodline through that and, and your family's heritage and history and everything else, I think that's really important. That does matter for us. If you find yourself asking, you know, after you get married, man, do I really want kids? How soon do I want kids? I would strongly encourage you to consider the root of you asking that question. Yeah. Why are you asking right. that? Um, I've heard a lot of, call it ridiculous uh, excuses. Like, well, I don't want to bring kids into this world or I don't know, all kinds of excuses right. that kind of make it seem like not as bad as it is. 99% of the time, I mean, there are obviously health exceptions and things. But other than that, 99% of the time, if a couple is deciding, yeah, we really don't want to have kids, at the heart of the issue is selfishness. Right. And oh Will, that's that's a that's you're generalizing. Oh Will, that's that's broad. It's also true. Ninety nine percent of the time if a couple is deciding, well, we don't really want kids, it is because they're at the root of it is selfishness. And so if that's something that as you go on and get married, that's what you're thinking, I would encourage you, number one, don't think that way. But number two, step back and ask yourself, why am I thinking this way? Is it because I want to work 80 hours a week? Is it because right. I want to, to to make more money, have a nicer house? Is it because I want to be have the freedom to travel? Is you know, whatever it is. Go back and diagnose the reason because it's probably going to be selfishness. And why does God place such a premium on kids? We could say that's back in Genesis 1. We see that they're, they're um, arrows in the quiver, right? Like yeah. kids are a blessing all the way throughout Scripture. So if that's the case, that it's only be fruitful, multiply in the beginning, why are they seen as such blessings throughout Scripture? One of the big reasons why you consider there's the Godhead. He says we're going to make man in our image. He makes man, woman, and the kids. Yeah. He creates a triune system that I think is very much representative of God. So when we don't, when we decide not to have kids, we're pretty much kind of you know, eliminating one of the we're three. eliminating one of the three of the. And I'm not putting family on the level of Godhead, but clearly there is a triune structure there that he yeah. did that on purpose. He puts a premium on kids coming into this world. I think we ought to as well, and. Fatherhood is a great responsibility. So whether you say, man, that's too much responsibility, the world's too bad. You know, my parents thought about not having kids back in the 80s because it was the Cold War. There's always going to be always a Always going to be reasons. The 90s, yeah. well, pff, boy, I don't know. Desert Storm, it's going to be pretty bad. What if we get nuked? What Y2K. Y2K, <laughs> you know, oh boy, with 9-11. I mean, whenever is there a time where there's not issues right. in the world? If you're looking for the excuse, you'll find it to that point. So here's what we want to talk about when, or here's the way we, I guess we want to structure this episode when it talk when we're talking about practical um, examples of what it means to be a godly father. What does a godly father look like in the exact same way we did last episode with husbands? Here's the way we want to lay it out in Matthew chapter, in Matthew five through seven, Jesus is masterful. I, I love reading Matthew five through seven because Jesus has taken a group of people that were familiar with the law and he's, especially Matthew five, he's quoting scriptures from the old law. You have heard that it was said this, right? Um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You, you know, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. All these things that were in the old law, Jesus is, is bringing those things up and then saying, but I say to you this, yeah. 
But you've heard it said this way. I say to you this, and every time he's taking it further. Yeah, he's saying, I, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say to you, don't even lust after a woman. Uh, you know, don't don't even look upon a woman to lust for her because you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Um, you have heard it said, uh, don't swear. You know, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, I say to you, let your yes be yes and your yep. no be no. Taking it further every don't time. Don't murder, but yeah, you know, don't even get angry. Right. right. Don't get angry without a cause. And so that's the way we want to do with this episode. We're going to talk about this is what culture tells you being a good dad is. Here's what. God's word and right. Christ tells you being a good dad is, and every time it's going to be taking it further. You have been, you have heard in, in culture that this equals being a good dad. It goes much deeper than that. And some of these are going to be um, principle based. Yes. Well, where do you find this in scripture? We're using the brain God gave us, and we're using the principles in scripture to put it together when we talk about academics and things like that. Well, scripture doesn't actually say that. We're looking at what do you think God expects of men in general, and what God expects of fathers. Can I point to book, chapter, and verse on all of some of these? Yes. On all of these, no, I think it's more of like we're smart enough to know the the general principles. We, meaning humanity, yeah. is smart enough to know the general principles that are behind this. And so I want to tee you off. Get us into the culture tells you a good father. So the culture, one of the biggest things, culture tells you, hey, you're a really good dad if you go to your kids' sporting events, right? You hit their baseball games, you hit their basketball games. Right. It, man, culture says you're a great dad if you do that. A true godly father goes even beyond that. A true godly father teaches his kids the value of teamwork, the value of being competitive, the value of striving to hit a goal, yep. um, working hard in sports, pushing whatever it is. Adversity. Yeah, pushing through adversity, overcoming, teaches you failure in a lot of oh, instances. Yeah. Um, and so, again, the, the, the culture will say a, godly, a good father shows up, cheers his kid on. We're taking it a step further, saying a godly father not only does those, not only does that, but teaches his kids hard work, teamwork. Right. Um, like you're saying, teaches the lessons that come with sports. And this is one I'll let you get into it, where people might be like, "Where on earth do you find that in the Bible?" Again, use use common sense, use your brain here. That it goes far beyond just making sure your kids feel supported and that they're encouraged. No, teach them the lessons that life has to offer based on the activities that they do. We want our kids to be like Christ, right? Yeah. As we just said, what's the role of a father? It's to be a good steward with what you've been given and to return them back to God as yes. Christ-like as possible. Right. Well, do we think Christ pushed through adversity? You betcha. Do we think Christ was a good team player? Yeah, he was. Do we think Christ was somebody who put the effort in and who went above and beyond? And who persevered and who endured. To, that's yeah. exactly it. And who was who was gracious and who was, you know, who obviously he triumphs in victory. But like you see all of these things that Christ is like, we want our kids to be that way. These are about virtue yeah. and, and about not just morality, but the virtue and the character that comes with it. sports. And we're going to have an entire episode, I think the next one. On teaser, snake teaser, yeah. that's right. On the value, the importance of sports, and it's for things like this, is because they teach you so much character. And so, yep. a good dad could come in and, yeah, hey, you cheered your kid on, that's fantastic. Show up to sporting events. All the, I mean, we could talk about all the horror stories of dads that didn't make it to their kid's sporting event ever. And it really wrecks a kid and goes, man, my parents didn't support me. So, a good dad, and the culture will tell you that, shows up for his kid. Fantastic, but even more so, take that take next step. Take it a step. step further. Take it the step further. Do the godly thing and bring in the character and really have those conversations about make sure you work hard, things like that. I'd say number two, a good father spends some time with his kids when he gets home. A godly father uses that time to help his kids structure a positive and godly worldview. Yeah. Um, because a lot of dads can come home, turn on the TV, and well, watching a movie together, spending time. Yeah, with them, right? yeah, of course, yeah. of course. And so, night after night after night, and how many times is the movie, quote unquote, Fox News? Yeah, you know, something that the dad <laughs> just turns on, 
And while, you know, it's been a tough day at work and he kind of zones out and that's justified to zone out because boy, dad's had a tough day. Yeah. And next thing you know, okay, maybe, maybe there's family dinner. Maybe they just sit around the TV and watch. And a good dad spends time with his kids when he gets home. Even more so, a better dad, a godly dad is the guy who, who sits down with his kids and says, tell me about your day. Tell me what's been going on. And then he can disciple his kids and help them like view the world, even watching the news together. You can view the it's, world from a positive world. It's view. like he's productive with the time with his kids. Yes. And you don't want to get into the, the habit of thinking, okay, any, any minute I have to spend with my kids, it has to be spent on, on productive things and I on agree. teaching right. them. Like you don't want to get into that mindset where you you know you can't enjoy a movie with your kids, you can't enjoy playing football, throwing the football with your kids. However, again, culture views a good dad as just kind of maybe occasionally spending time with his yeah. kids when they can. You're there. Godly dad, you know, they're they're using that time. They're using it productively. When they get home, they're making sure they devote time to, to Bible study and devoting right. time to, to family worship. Yes, they can enjoy movies and video games or whatever, but man, they're really using that time to, like you said, structure their kids' worldview yeah. and to you only have them for eighteen years to shape them into the person that they're going to be. One of the best things and we were homeschooled all day, but you know, my dad would work. Um a lot. One of the best things we did is having that family dinner. And I can't tell you how many yeah. times. I mean, you've been there. Your family does the same thing. Um, and you've been so valuable. Where yeah. you have the family dinner, but man, we'd talk for like an hour after. I mean, the dishes are cleared or, or maybe they're still sitting there if we haven't gotten up. We would have these conversations about life. And, and it was such a worldview builder where... You know, sometimes my dad could check out from time to time, but those are the moments that mattered so much. I want to encourage every guy watching and listening to this, whether you are a leader in your home now as a husband and father, or whether you will be one day, do everything you can to make dinner time sacred. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say absolutely. sacred, I'm talking about holy, but what I mean is don't let that be overtaken by other things that you have to right. do. Man, I, I really got to get on my computer and, and work through dinner. Now let's just flip on the TV during dinner yeah. or uh, let's grab something to go because we got to get. Make sure you have dinner time with your family right. around the table for exactly what you're talking about. Uh, the time you spend talking about the day, talking about problems that the family face, talking about who knows what, anything and everything. That is so invaluable for families to have that dinner time. And it's just not happening in a lot of houses right, right. now. And, and that, sorry, real quick, no, it's on the father to set that precedent. Uh, it's yep, on the yep. father to say, we will all be around the table at the same time for dinner tonight. Yeah. Maybe not seven nights a week, but goodness, five nights out of the week, as many as you possibly can. As many as you can. Yeah. You know, it, that's exactly it. And the culture may tell you that, you know, a good dad is, hey, at least you're there for the kids. But the other part of this is how often are we on our phones? How often am I, you know, on Facebook? You know, oh, I got you, a phone what, call. Yeah. yeah, what'd you say, honey? Um, no, a yep. good dad is somebody who's present and it goes to the family dinner where there's, get rid of the distractions, leave your phone to the side, turn off the TV, even you can see it from the, the, the you know, table. Nobody cares, right? <laughs> Don't turn it off. Yeah. And just be present with your family, lay the phone aside and give them that undivided attention. That's what a godly dad does. The next one that I would say is one that we kind of sort of touched on already a, a, in the previous episode. A godly father, or a good father, I should say, provides financially for his family. So culture expects, hey, make sure your, your family has a roof over their head. That's what a good father does. Yep. A godly father takes it way beyond that. Yes, a godly father makes sure his family is financially provided for. But a godly father takes care of their physical needs, takes care of their financial needs, right. takes care of their emotional, their mental, yeah. their spiritual, all the other needs. I think culture sometimes tells you, just make sure they're taken care of financially. Make sure they've got clothes to wear, food to eat, and a roof over their head. And that's kind of the, the bare minimum mark they have to achieve. A godly father realizes, I've got to take care of their spiritual needs. i got to take care of their emotional needs. So much more beyond that. Um, again, we talked about that a lot in the husband episode, so we don't have to spend a ton of time there. But it's important to know as a dad, your role is way more than just making sure that they've got food on the table. Right. That's a big one. You can't miss that one. 
But there's a lot more to it. But right. get us into the next one. Yeah, yeah. You've heard that it said a good father makes sure that his kids stay out of jail. <laughs> uh, you know, just to put it that way, culture will tell you, hey, you're a good dad if your kid, you keep your kid, oh, hey, at least he's not in jail. Yeah. A godly father is someone who sets appropriate boundaries for the kid to help him flourish and to help him grow. And what we see in this is, you know, you're calling your kid to hire um, or, or setting boundaries around their friend group and what they do there on respect and how they treat other people on their schooling and whether they're disciplined in that way. Yeah. Are they good friends or are they bullying other kids, right? Are they are they trying in sports? When you set the boundaries and you care about those things, it can be easy to be like, well, my kids say out of jail, therefore I'm, I'm you know, a good thing, good on me type of thing. No. What is your kid contributing to society? That's How about exactly that? it. Yeah. What are you calling him to strive for greatness? And in what ways is he striving for greatness? In what ways are you helping in that area? So don't set the bar so low that it's like, well, yeah, as long as my kid's out of jail. No, set the appropriate boundaries where your kid flourishes and grows into something that is way beyond you, what you could ever be. You always hear that like, oh, I, you know, I want my kid to be better than me. Let's mean it. What does that look like? How well, do you get there? I, I see a lot of dads in the world that because they don't want to be too harsh on their kids, or maybe they unfortunately want to be buddies with their kids, yeah. which is a sidetrack. Don't ever, don't view your kids as your friends, as your buddies. One day they will be, hopefully, when yeah. they're out of the yeah. house. But when they're fifteen, they're not supposed to be your friend. Right, you're supposed to be their dad. Uh, but because of that. They're, they're not real big on boundaries. They don't really yeah. set boundaries, eh, curfew, whatever. Eh, go hang out with whoever you want. Just, you know, try to stay out of jail. That's kind of what you're yeah. getting at. Man, set the boundaries. It's not going to always be fun, especially if you wait until too late to try to set them. Yeah. But that is your role as a dad. As a godly dad, it's to set those boundaries because you're trying to you're trying to move them in a direction. Yeah. The direction can't just be keep them out of prison. The direction is I'm moving them towards heaven. I'm moving them That's towards right. God, towards Christ, and towards holiness. And when you set boundaries at the very beginning, when they are one, two, three, four years old, it's a whole lot easier to set. It's them a whole later. lot easier to set them later. If you're not willing, if your kid runs over you at four, he'll probably run over you at sixteen. Yep. Um, so just set it early. Get us into the next one. Yeah, the next one. So a good father pushes his kids to get good grades. A godly father make sure his kids understand why good grades even matter yeah. and why working hard academically matters. Um, this is one that, man, dads can go too far sometimes in demanding yeah. you will get A's. You will get A's. You will you will not come home with a B on your report card. And while I think it's good to make sure your kids understand that there is a standard that needs to be reached, yeah. that can be taken too far sometimes. Right. On the other hand, again, it's a pendulum thing. Pendulum thing. You have guys or dads that they're like, hey – just come home with a passing grade. Don't really care. You know, C's get degrees, whatever. Brought that up before. Don't be that dad either. There needs to be a balance there. And I, I would lean more towards the high standard side of, yeah. hey, work hard. Because A's are attainable for everybody. I, I firmly yeah. believe that. Obviously, there are some people with learning disabilities and things like that. I'm not really talking about those people. For most people, yep. A's are attainable for everybody. Now, some might have to work harder, but that's exactly what we're getting at here. A godly father right. teaches his kids to work hard in school, to work hard academically and why that matters. Yeah, and, and to know a, a godly father also knows what his kids excel at. Yeah. Can push them in those areas as well, I think, where he you know he can call them to higher things because he knows what the kid is good at and he knows what the kid is capable of. Uh, no doubt, and good grades, they do matter, whether we want to yeah, say it or they not. they do. They absolutely It matter. reflects work ethic. Again, you, you yeah. might really struggle in math. You might really struggle in science. That means you just have to work harder. doesn't mean you that's can't right. get an A. doesn't mean you can't pass. It just means you got to work harder. And that's something that I think dads really inspires hard work. How about the that's next right. one? Yeah. A good father doesn't shut down all emotions in the home. Uh, you'll hear that. You yeah. want to make sure that everybody's allowed to feel emotion. I think a godly father helps his kids uh, and, and really the entire family emotionally develop through him modeling what emotional stability looks like. Yeah. And what I mean by that is 
you have so many dads that just, they, they kind of shut down all emotion. I, you'll hear this multiple times. Yeah, I never saw my dad cry. Or my dad didn't hug me. Or my dad didn't say, I love uh, I love you. or And I've heard that a few times recently in therapy, actually, from guys that are in their 40s. My dad never told me that he loved me. Um, and we think, well, the dad's being a rock. You know, he's, he just doesn't want doesn't want to be weak. Garbage. You know how much this is affecting their 40-year-old kids? Yeah. That their dad never showed emotion, that their dad never hugged them, that their dad never cried with them or, or was there with them in the tough moments. And so modeling that, it doesn't mean that you have to be blubbering all over the place and crying every second of the day. Allow yourself to feel the full breadth of emotions. Like you're going to feel sad and hurt and angry and excited and joyful and, and all sorts of things. Can your kids see that? Can they pick that out? Can they? Are they okay with seeing dad's really hurting right now, Yeah, you know, and you can tell them that. And so you model for them what appropriate emotional stability looks like where no, you're not, you're not letting your anger get away and you're throwing things at the wall. Um, you're controlling your anger. You're talking through it. Those type of things. That's what a godly dad does is he recognizes emotions are not the enemy. It's not weak to show emotion, but it's also not good to let emotion run, run wild and run free. Yeah. Next one I would say, that's really good. Next one I would say a good father says he's sorry. Culture says, hey, be a good dad. Make sure you say you're sorry. A godly father uses his mistakes to, again, teach his kids really the love of Christ and the grace yeah. of Christ. Um, saying you're sorry, you know, cannot be where we stop as dads. It has to be, I'm, you know, obviously you start there, apologize, make sure your kids know, make sure they can see you admit when you're wrong. You don't want to be a hypocrite. That's something else. I guess we could have made a different point that there's a lot of dads out there that are hypocrites. Hey, do as I say, not as I do, right? right. You know, don't right. do this all the while that, you know, they did that in their teens or they, you know, still do it. Stuff like that. We don't want to, we don't want to be dads that our kids look at us and go, that's hypocritical. Right. That, that's a hypocrite. We don't want to be that. We also want to use the mistakes that we do make, outbursts of anger, um, momentary lapse of judgment, uh, too harsh discipline, whatever it is. When we make those mistakes, so we acknowledge them to our kids. Not because necessarily we owe our kids an explanation, but to teach them, A, we're not perfect, and B, it's okay that we're not perfect because of Christ. Because right. you're not going to be perfect either. But because of Christ, because of the grace of Christ, because of his love, it's okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I heard an older older gentleman say one time, um, don't ever apologize to your kids. His advice was don't ever apologize oh, to wow. your kids. What? He said it shows weakness. And you don't want to show weakness. And so he never apologized to his kids. It's like, how many times have you been wrong? And your yeah. kid knows knows you're wrong. You know you're wrong, but because you don't want to do it. So yeah, don't be that guy. Be willing to say sorry because in in your weakness, Christ's power is perfected. That's what Paul talks about, I think, in 2 Corinthians 12, in that thorn in the side, right? The thorn in the flesh. Yeah. He says, hey, my grace is sufficient. In your weakness, my power is perfected. And allow that. I live by that mantra, which doesn't mean we always lead with our weakness, we're, we're comfortable saying, man, I really messed that one up, but yeah. praise be to God, he's got us. And that teaches the kids it's okay to mess up as long as you're you know owning up to it, fessing up, and you're calling back to God and his, the need for grace. Next, I'd say a good father treats his wife well, whereas a godly father leads his children to respect and to love their mother. So it's one thing if, yeah, you got a good relationship with your wife, that's great. You're not hitting her. You're not doing any of that. You know, no abuse. I mean, obviously. That should be horrible. the bare minimum. That's yeah. the bare minimum. But the culture does kind of tell you, hey, don't abuse your wife. That makes you a good father if you're not abusing the, the children's mother. I would say teach them the importance of respecting their mom, the importance of loving their mom, the importance of, of taking care of her because God forbid you die. But if that is the case, you want kids who step up and take care of their mom. 
and who cherish her and love her and see her as somebody special. Because if they do it with their mom, they'll do it with their wife. Well, I know a lot of girls have, have told me that one of the things they were taught is when they were considering a guy is like, look at how he treats his mom. Mm. He's how yep. he treats his mom is probably how he's going to treat you. And so keep in mind when you're modeling that for your kids of how they're treating their mother, odds are it's going to be a very similar fashion to the way they treat their wife yep. as well. And kids, just real fast before we get to the next one. Yeah. Kids pick up on what you're modeling, whether you mean to or not. Yeah, so the short exactly words right. and, and the, the snippiness back and forth and maybe the belittling or please don't ever do this, but talk talk bad about the mom behind or to the kids, you know, behind her back. And, and all of those things, the kid picks up on that. And so your wife says something nice to you and you, yeah, whatever. What do you think the kid's going to do? Yep. The kid's not going to accept it. If you're snapping back, the kids are going to snap back. And this gets more pronounced the older the kid gets, but you go, man, how'd that happen? Take a look in the mirror. Yep. Is that what you're doing? So just make sure you're treating her well, but make sure you're teaching your kids to treat her well as well. Yeah. Just say the next one. Next one. A good father has the talk with his kids. And I think we all know yeah. what talk we're talking about. <laughs> Birds and the bees, whatever yep. term is. And I got I got to say, so again, this is what culture tells you, is that you hey, just have the talk with your kids. <laughs> I'll say a lot of dads in the church, don't even do that. Don't even do that. Don't That's even right. have a talk with them. They That's learn right. from their friends or unfortunately internet or whatever. Um, so we're encouraging you, even from having the talk, take it a step further even than that. Yeah. So a, a culturally good father has the talk with his kids. A godly father consistently teaches his kids sexual virtue. Yeah. What do I mean by sexual virtue? Um, I, think, I think a child's primary education about sex needs to come from their parents. Yeah. First and foremost, that's why I'm a big advocate for, hey, probably the earlier the better because yeah. nowadays they're learning about it at an earlier age through the internet, through their friends or whatever. So get on that problem early if you're parents, but also teach them not just what it is, but the the virtues behind it, I guess. And that's the word we already use. It's the best word for it. You know, that you're yeah. not going to be out there adding notches to your belt. You're not going to be viewing women as objects. You're not going to be viewing that as the primary reason for your existence. For guys specifically, that modeling has to come from the dad. Right. The, the sexual virtue and, and teaching them this is what it means to be godly in this way, that's got to come from the dad. Yeah. You either get, it's, it's a pendulum swing, right? You either get the dad that, oh, I'm proud of you. You know, you're, you're. Oh, attaboy. Yeah, yeah. attaboy. You know, you're, he's, he's a hot commodity with the women type of thing. And the dad kind of lives vicariously and thinks, wow, my son's just, he's got all the girls. Or you swing the pendulum to the other side where the dad is so awkward about sex and things like that, that like, oh, that's dirty. We, we just don't talk about that. And it's either one or the other. With right. a lot of dads, even Christian dads that kind of have the old attaboy, you know, no. No, be the dad who's willing to say sex is important. Sex is a beautiful thing. Here's why it's good, you know, in, in, in what context. And like you said, I'm a big believer in having multiple talks. Yeah. Four or five, six, seven years old. Age Bring them along. Yes. In that, yeah. Age appropriate things. The four-year-old does not need to know about private parts. Um, and well, in certain ways, I guess, in terms of what they can, you know, making sure that they're not abused or anything like that. I mean, there's certain things that a four-year-old can understand. Hey, marriage is between a man and a woman. Yep. Four-year-old can understand that. Now, if the 10-year-old, all the 10-year-old knows is marriage is between a man and a woman, knows nothing else, you may want to... He's going to have a rude awakening. That's yeah. right. You may want to tell him a little more. So bring him along, but have multiple talks about the importance of, of sexual virtue, making sure you're saving yourself for marriage, all of those things. Um, and going back to the last one, be willing to admit mistakes along the way. Yeah. I've made mistakes, and I will be telling my kids about that. It'll be learning opportunities, but it will... It will Further the discussion. So we got two more here. Yep. A good father gets his kids to church. 
a godly father goes way beyond that. A godly father pushes his kids to pursue holiness. Mm. I think I brought this up in one of the recent episodes about you're considered a good dad if you get your kids to church, but so many times those good dads don't really care what their daughters are wearing to church. Right. They don't really care that their kid, that their son is out chasing girls or is on their phone the whole time. He's going to say goofing around with his friends. Yeah, yeah, not paying attention, not really having any kind of Bible study habits. And so be the type of father who doesn't just stop it. Okay, whew, my kids got to church this week. Check off the box yeah. mentally. We've got to wait till next week to see how they do. You know, no, don't let that be the goal. Push it even further. Make sure they're pursuing right. holiness. Make sure they're pursuing holiness in what they wear and how they speak and how they behave around other kids in, in their academics. There's all these things. Make sure they're pursuing holiness. Right. It goes way beyond just making sure they go to church. How That's about right. the last yeah, one? Yeah, last one. A good father studies his Bible and prays to God. A godly father leads the children to do the same. It's one thing to do it on your own. That's fantastic. Do your kids know it? Yeah. A godly father is someone who disciples the kids, takes them along, and says, here's how you study scripture. Here's how we pray. Um, the Your Family Worship Guide, it is a plug for Will's book. Um, he did a family worship guide. It's fantastic. I think he's working on volume two, I believe. Um, I would encourage everybody to pick that up. Whether you're married or not, I think it's good to yeah. have a copy and be ready to institute this with your family, with this family worship. Lead your children to do the same. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is, is get our kids to strive for greatness. It's difficult to do it if we're not doing it ourselves or we're not modeling that. Um, and so a good father, yeah, it's very good to study your Bible and to pray. But make sure you're bringing your kids along with it. So you might be listening to this going, man, they, they sure are putting a lot on us here. They, they are loading us up with all, the, all these duties, all these responsibilities, and all these burdens. And as we wrap this episode, it's something that we, we have tried so hard to balance this line of talking about how amazing being a father is and how, yep. how it's a goal that is worth pursuing and it's worthy to attain. And, you know, I've been a dad officially, I guess, for 18 months, and it's, it's amazing. You've been a dad even longer um, with your three. And so we want we want to emphasize that it's great and that it's amazing and that it's a really high calling and one that you should pursue. But we also come to the other side and, and we want to emphasize how important it is and yep. how serious it is and how just poor of a job so many dads do these days. And I yep. think it's because of these, I just got to hit the goals that the culture sets. The bare minimum. I, you know, the culture tells me to, to hit the sporting events to make sure there's food on it. So I'm just going to hit those goals right. and never go any farther. Godly fathers, godly young men yep. do way more than that. We've got a list here, Joe. Get into the Like... We're not going to spend. We're just going to go down this list, but, but it's it's something to remind each of us, each of you as as potential dads or as current dads, the bu- the buck ultimately stops with you on every right. single one of these things. You'll answer for all these. Let's let's tag team as we yeah. go back and forth. First, you'll answer for the disciplining of your children. Yeah, you'll answer for your you'll answer for how they behave spiritually. What is their spiritual life like? You'll answer for how they treat others. Are they good friends? Are they good companions? You'll ha- you'll answer for how do they handle their emotions? Do they lash out in anger? Are they really bad at, at being emotionally available for their wife? You'll answer for that. You'll answer for their work ethic. Are they lazy? Or are they the type that make their boss proud when they show up to work? You'll answer for their morality, the way that they behave, the way that they uh, behave in culture, in society. That's right. You'll answer for their academics. Do they care about pulling, and not just pulling good grades for the sake of pulling good grades, but being the best they can be in school. You'll answer, ultimately, this is the last one, you'll answer for their striving for greatness or lack thereof. Yeah. You will answer for what kind of drive do you instill in your kids? Are you teaching your kids, hey, just hit the bare minimum, just be mediocre, C's, get degrees, show up to church, You know, don't cheat on your wife, but you don't really have to try any harder than that. Are you modeling mediocrity for your kids? Right. Or are you teaching them strive for greatness? And so whether you are a current dad or a potential dad, 
be thinking about these things. Yeah. We we don't want to be too harsh here, but this is a this is a big deal. This is very important. And let me say, nothing nothing beats you going to work. You work a hard day, right? You come home and your four year old runs up to you, daddy, 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 and yep. gives you a big hug. Nothing beats that. So I'm just gonna you know I wanted to leave on that of like exactly as you said. There's nothing that's nothing like being a dad. It is the coolest thing in the world. Um, new you know, experiences, new your experiences. Kids are learning. Yeah. You know, our little, our baby girl, our first girl. Like, you know, she looks up in your eyes and she's starting to get to that point where she recognizes and she just gets a big smile. There's nothing like it. So yeah. for the guys that are saying, "Man, you know, that's a lot of responsibility." Yeah, and it's worth it. All worth it's it. It's worth it. This is unbelievable. Don't miss out on the opportunity so you can pursue selfish things that are worthless that, you know, blow away with the wind. Nobody cares about going to, whether you get to go to Europe a bazillion times. I'll tell you, you're leaving a lasting legacy with your kids that's going to that's gonna reverberate into eternity, especially if we do these things. If we get this right and if we're looking to be godly fathers, yes, we fall, we're not perfect, but this is something we're striving for. We really hope you'll strive as well with us on being the best dads you can be, not just being a good father, being a godly father, a great father as we strive for greatness. That is the perfect way to sum it up. I refuse to say anything else. We will (laughs) stop right there. Thank you for joining us for episode 20. We'll be back next week for episode 21 of the Godly Young Men podcast.